Good morning, Eastside. As you see on the screens, we have different ways that we can give, and that is an important uh, aspect of our worship. So I encourage you to, to take a moment and, and think about that and pray about that and, and give in the ways that you can. This morning, as has been mentioned, this is our graduation Sunday. Some people call it Senior Sunday, some people call it graduation. It's the graduation of our seniors, and it's Sunday. And so primarily this lesson is going to be, hopefully to encourage um, Annie and Emma and Benji and Lily and Jordan. However, there are spiritual truths in this lesson that will apply to all of us. If you would turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 37, be there momentarily. But Annie and Lily and Jordan and Emma and Benji, I want you to think for a minute and imagine it's four years from now and you've graduated from college and you're looking for a job and you're struggling to look for a job so you decide, I'm going to write a book, a memoir of my college days. And so you write this book and a publisher picks it up and it actually sells pretty well. That'd be pretty cool, right? So you've write, written this book and it's selling and you're enjoying some success as an author and you get a phone call that's not a joke that says, we want to turn your book into a movie. Pretty awesome. And so you meet with these two movie producers and they start talking to you about something that shocks you. They say, we need to change the story. Well, wait a minute, you liked my book. Yes, we liked your book, but it doesn't necessarily make a good movie. We, we need to write it into a good movie script. And so they start changing things, and you're like, wait a minute, that's not what happened. And they're, they're like, we're not talking about the you in the book. We're talking about the you in the movie, and the you in the movie has to be different than, than you. And that would be a little confusing to go through that process. This actually happened to one of my favorite authors. He went through college, he wrote a book, was enjoying some success, got a call from movie producers, but they needed to change the story. And, and it was hard for him not to take it personally. And having one of these discussions with the editors, he said, I mean no disrespect, but what, what is wrong with, with the Don in the book? His name was Don. And they said, nothing is wrong with the Don in the book. It's just done in the book doesn't make a good movie, Don. And we have to change it into a better story. And so Don, the author, is talking with Steve and Ben, the movie producers, about how to change and make the story better. Steve said, in pure story, there is purpose in every scene. In every line of dialogue, a movie is going somewhere. And Ben says, what Steve is trying to tell you, Don, is that your real life is boring. And Don's like, boring? Boring. Boring. Not every moment of our life is, is purposely, directly going somewhere. And Don is a little upset they called him boring, so he tells him a story about a time that he ran into a bear on a trail. And they were like, we're not talking about you, we're talking about the Don in the movie, but what happened with the bear? And he said, well, it, it ran away. Boring. 
Don started studying the art of story, the art of storytelling, the art of, of, of movie uh, screen writing. And something hit him. He says, I thought about the elements of our screenplay, and I knew that the elements that made it a story meaningful were the same that made a life meaningful. And if it's right that a good story is a condensed version of life, life without the meaningless scenes, I wondered if I could live more like a good story in the first place. I wondered if a person could plan a life and live it intentionally like an author writing a better story. He wanted to take the principles of writing a screenplay and apply that to his actual life. And what I want to challenge you today is to live a great story. Later, Don was talking with another one of his friends who he was studying screenplays and writing with. And he said, so how would you define a story? And they define the story as this. A story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. A story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. A character wants something. So maybe this is an odd question, but what do you want? In previous years and previous lessons, I've, I've challenged people looking at Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. God thinks bigger than we ever do. And so I've challenged people, think bigger. Dream up your biggest dreams that you could think of in doing in God's kingdom, doing in your life, doing to serve other people. Think about those things and then think bigger. Because God thinks bigger than we do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. We can dream up some cool things, but God can do bigger and God can do better. And it's okay to ask yourself, what do you want? It's not only okay, it's important. Because people who don't know what they won't want live boring stories. Ask yourself what you want for you. What kind of story do you want your life to tell? But go further than that. What do you want for your friends? What do you want for the world around you? What do you want for the less fortunate? What do you want for future generations? What do you want for the kingdom of God? None of us live our stories by ourselves. A professor of mine once asked the entire class, he says, what do you want on your tombstone? What do you, what do you want your, your tombstone to say? He said, I want mine to say he prayed. He said, the thing is, figure out what you want your tombstone to say and then live a life 
where people that are here after you're gone will make it happen. And this was a, a professor at a college in a master's program who spent the first 15 to 20 minutes of every class period asking for prayer requests and praying. He lived what he wanted people to know about him and people to say about him. In figuring out what you want, don't forget God. And don't forget to pray about what it is you want. In Psalms 37, I want to read this again. Thank you for reading those scriptures for us. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Psalm 37, 3. In verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Think about that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of the heart. When we draw near to God and we have those desires burning within us, it says he will give us those desires for good. Commit your ways to the Lord to trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth righteousness as the light and your justice as noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. My question is, where do your dreams and hopes and desires Merge with God's. In figuring out what you want, try and look in those directions. Where does my life and my desires merge with what God wants? In Ephesians 2.10, it says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. And we are created in him to do good works that he has planned in advance for us to do. And going back to Ephesians 3 He can do great things through us with his power working with us and in us. God doesn't expect us to live this life on our own. He says, I will be with you. I will be in you. I have plans for you. And I want to give you the desires of your heart. Let's do this together. A character who wants something. Be a character who wants something. I also want to add this. If you're sitting there and and my saying, what do you want for you? What do you want for the world around you? What do you want for your friends? What do you want for the kingdom of God? And you're sitting there and this is causing you stress because you don't know. That's okay. We put a lot of pressure on young people trying to figure out everything at a very young age. It's okay not to know exactly what you want right now, but ask yourself those questions and start thinking about the future. I also want to say this, if you think you know where you're going right now and what you want and what your desires are, great. And if those desires change in a few years, that's okay too. Because life changes. Situations change. People change. Just keep living for God amongst that. Be a person, a character who wants something. But also know that to overcome conflict in your life, there will be risk. A good story involves risk. Think of the parable of the talents. And there was a guy who got five talents and he made five more. And there's a guy who got two talents and he made two more. And there's a guy who had got one talent and got afraid and hid that in the ground and returned exactly the same thing to his master. Because he's afraid of the risk. He's afraid of failure. And when we give in to fear, we don't live good stories. 
I want to read an excerpt from the book I was talking about. He says, great stories go to those who don't give in to fear. The most often repeated command in the Bible is do not fear. It's in there over 200 times. That means a couple of things, if you think about it. It means we are going to be afraid, and it means we shouldn't let fear boss us around. Before I realized we were supposed to fight fear, I thought of fear as a subtle suggestion in our subconscious design to keep us safe, or more importantly, to keep us from being humiliated. And I guess it serves that purpose, but fear isn't only a guide to keep us safe, it's also a manipulative emotion that can trick us into living boring lives. Do not be afraid. In Joshua chapter 1, God says, Do not be afraid, for I am with you as I was with Moses. I am with you. And in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 7, it says that we have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. It's okay to take risks. It's even okay to fail if you learn from that. Don't let fear of failure keep you from trying to do great things. A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it has to face fear and has to take risks. And then they have to overcome adversity. We are all going to face hard times. In Matthew 6 verse 34, Jesus says something terrible and horrible and true. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Is that supposed to be encouraging? You mean we have tomorrow to look forward to with enough trouble of its own? Yes. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about tomorrow. That's the one thing Jesus says you can procrastinate about is worrying. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Just figure out today, today. And then he says very blatantly, very pointedly in John 16, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says you're going to face troubles. And you think about good stories. Think about a good movie. If everything just happens easily to the main character and there's no trouble or adversity for them to overcome, it's kind of a boring movie. Right? AJR sings about this. A hundred bad days mean a hundred good stories and a hundred good stories makes me interesting at parties. So I don't worry about those bad days anymore. They understand you have to overcome adversity to have a good story. The author in this book realized to overcome adversity, then I have to do some hard things because I like taking the easy way. So he purposely set out to do some hard things. One of the hard things he did was he went to the gym to get in shape. And everybody's like, okay, yeah, well, we all want to do that every January, but what makes him different? Well, what made him different in this situation is he had a friend, a female friend, say to him, let's go do the Machu Picchu Trail and in South America. And he was like, okay. And then he realized, I have no business saying okay because there's no way I can make that. And so he goes to the gym to get in shape and he's trying to get in shape, but before he gets totally ready for the trip, the trip is there and he ends up going and he ends up persevering. The interesting thing about the Machu Trail 
Machu Picchu Trail, is that you can stay on the river and there's a trail to the city that takes six hours. Six hour hike. Now to some of us, we're like, okay, that's, that's good enough. But if you take the ancient Machu Picchu Trail, it's four days hike and it's thousands of feet in elevation change. Why in the world would they make that hard of a trail? Why would they make the trail that difficult? Because the emperor knew that the more painful the journey to the city, the travels would appreciate more the arrival to the city. It's like the old saying that hard things develop character. James 1 mentions this, to, to count it joy when you face trials of all kinds, and that's incredibly hard to do. But it builds and develops our faith and our perseverance. Upon arriving at the city, Don wrote, the pain made the city more beautiful. The story made us different characters than if we'd showed up the easy way. The people who took the bus didn't experience the city the same as we experienced the city. A good story overcomes adversity. But a good story also involves service. The Machu Picchu Trail was one of the hard things that Don did. He actually did several other. He went and found his father, who he, didn't, he hadn't known, hadn't seen for 30 years, and restarted that relationship. He did some other things. But he says that all those things were practice stories because they centered on him. And he realized that great stories involve sacrifice not for self, but for others. And that's when he did two things. Growing up without a father figure, he developed a mentoring program. Started a nonprofit, developed a mentoring program for kids that grew, were growing up in the same situation as he did without a father figure in their life. The second thing he did, long story short, is that he saw an advertisement for a group that was riding across America from Los Angeles to New York to raise awareness and raise money for a well dr drilling company in Africa that drilled fresh water for people who didn't have any. And he said, at first, I thought there's no way I can do that. I've ridden my bike a total of 14 miles. But the more he thought about it, he said, this is sacrificing for others. And so he signed up and he rode his bike every day, six days a week, 12 hours a day for two months and rode from Los Angeles to New York to raise money for people who didn't have fresh water half a world away that he never knew nor would never meet. And he said, I realized that would make a good story. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It is when we die to ourselves and we live for Christ and others that we truly live. Jesus says he came to give us life and life abundantly. And then he showed us how through serving others. And when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Epic stories aren't about us, but living sacrificially for others. And yet when we live sacrificially, our character is developed. And we are changed and we are inspired and we are motivated to do even more. Be a character who wants something and over, overcomes conflict to get it. Live like Jesus, who always put God first and others before himself, and live a great story.
You guys know this. I thought it was a conspiracy theory. Google is always listening. I was talking to people about the concept of this list, less, the lesson and the concept of this book here about living a, a good story, and I started getting Facebook ads for these stickers. And so I bought some. <laughs> and there are some for you on your tables with, with your Bibles out in the back. A reminder to live a great story. Now, if you go to this website, um, it's, it's a good concept. It, it challenges people to live, to get outside, to be adventurous. But it also says, be the hero of your own story. And that's where they go a little awry. Because we have a hero already. And God is the hero of our story. Yet together with God, living his principles of service and sacrifice and not giving in to fear, living with purpose and perseverance and love and putting others before ourselves, we can go and live a great story. And you're on the cusp. You're on the cusp of going out into life and living a great story. I ask you to stand. The praise team can come on up. I'm going to say a prayer, and then the praise team will lead us in another song. And if you need prayers, go and find one of the shepherds. If you know somebody who needs prayers, go and pray with them. Would you join me? Dear Lord, help us to see you, and to know you, and to honor you. Help us to enjoy the life you have given us, and to be thankful. Lord, strengthen us through difficult times. Give us hearts for people. Give us knowledge and wisdom to use our talents for good, for you, for your kingdom. Help us to trust in you and not give in to fear. Help us to see purpose in being your children. And give us the desires to serve you and others. Lead us to true joy and peace. And help us to live great stories as you live in us and work through us. Lord, may our lives reflect you to others around us. It's through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.